My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, we'd like to thank you for joining us here at Faith 168. My name is Christian, and I'm glad to be here with you today and do this podcast with my co-host, Brother Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I'm excited to, to get into God's Word today. We're going to be looking back at James chapter 1. It's been a little bit since we've uh, discussed James chapter 1, so I'll just kind of give a, a brief overview of what we've already talked about, and then uh, Brother Christian is going to kick us off with our, our new content for the day. Uh, but as we've talked about before, James is the uh, brother of Jesus, and so this is um, the the brother of Jesus, and he is the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and he is writing to the twelve tribes dispersed abroad, and so he's he's writing to those uh, who are going through great tribulation. So this tribulation uh, and trial is is going on in in Rome and in uh, the Roman providences, and and so the church, uh, especially the church of uh, Jerusalem, is being highly persecuted. Uh, The Jews are also being persecuted at this time by, um, like, Emperor Nero and and, and different people uh, in the higher up uh, in Rome, and so we, we see that uh, James is giving us an exposition on Scripture, and one thing I love about the book of James is that it's all practical. And so we we have books from Paul, like Romans, uh, that are are full of theology. Uh, James isn't is is concerned about theology. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that he doesn't care about theology. But what I'm saying is he's presupposing you know theology, and he's going to go into the practical. Uh, ramifications of what that theology means, and so he's going to uh, to to say things like faith without works is dead. Now we know that we're not saved by our works, but we also know, and James is going to to tell us that because a, a true fit faith, genuine faith, uh, is going to have works. If you do not have works then your faith is dead. And so that's going to be some of the things that uh, that James talks about. And so he starts off by saying that he is a bondservant uh, of Jesus Christ, of, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He starts by, by showing the deity of Jesus. And if you can imagine, this is, once again, James, the brother of Jesus, and he's calling Jesus his Lord. And the word Lord is, is very important uh, in the Bible, and it, it shows the the nature and the character of who God is. God revealed himself to Moses as the great I am, and that was uh, the word Yahweh, but it, it's written in the Old Testament as Lord. And so to call Jesus Lord is to call Jesus the God of the Old Testament, the, the God, the creator of the universes, um, John chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1 tells us that uh, that's exactly who Jesus is, and that's who James is calling him out to be. And he's saying, I am a servant of Jesus. He is a servant of his older brother, 
his half-brother, but he's also uh, a servant of, of Jesus, his God. And then, and so he's writing. And so the first thing he talks about is, is when you go through trials, uh, it, you need to count it as joy. And, and that sounds odd to us because we don't like to go through trials, especially in America. In America, we like prosperity. We like when things go well. We like when things go our way, when we have money in the bank account, when gas doesn't cost $4 a gallon. We like all of these things. Um, But what what James is saying is when gas is $4.5 a gallon, you need to count it joy. That's not my idea of joy. But what (laughs) is that we have to consider that everything we go through it is for the glory of God. And if we're going through things for the glory of God, then we need to count count it all joy because he has us here for a reason. He has us here for a reason to, uh, to share his gospel, to share his love, to bring um, peace and, and hope to a lost and dying world. And so even in the worst of situations. And like I said, he's writing to a church that is going through great persecution and great tribulation. Uh, he's saying, count it joy when you count encounter these trials. And so we have a uh, brother James is talking to his, his, his church and he's, um, he's telling them, look, we have to be uh, full of joy in these times. We have to share Jesus. And when we have Jesus in us, it doesn't matter um, what's going on in our lives. It doesn't matter what, what comes my way. Uh, God is in control. And so I need to, uh, to, to follow him and I need to, to trust him in all things. We also have to understand um, that, um, that, that there are going to be some times in our lives where, uh, where we're tempted uh, by evil. Not just the bad situations, but there is evil that is going to come into our heart because our hearts are naturally inclined to evil. When we were born physically, we were born spiritually separated from God. We're born with a sin nature, and that sin nature makes it uh, makes us enemies from God. Now, when God graciously saved me, he changed me from the inside out. But the problem is, is that as long as I wear this flesh, I will deal with, deal with the problems of this fret of the flesh and the in the uh, the sins and the temptations and so James tells us not only not only should we count it joy and, and overcome when we're going through tribulation but when we're going through trials when we're being tempted we shouldn't say that we're being tempted by God because God doesn't tempt us with evil God is going to work all things together for our goods. Now, he's going to let us go through temptation because yeah. when we go through temptation and when we overcome, we are producing uh, good fruits like endurance. And so those are things that um, that James is telling us. He, he's explaining to us that, um, that the faith that we have, it ought to be visible. People from the outside ought to be able to see what it is that we believe. And that's exactly where, where we find ourselves today. As, as Brother Christian's about to start reading, we're going to find out um, what it means to know God's word. And James is going to say, listen, knowing God's word's not enough. If you believe God's word, you do good. But if you believe that all you have to do is have it in your head, then you're, you're deceiving yourself. Uh, Christianity is not... Uh, about a religion that changes me on the inside, it changes from the inside out. So I show it 
uh, on the outside. And so that's exactly where we're going to pick up. Brother Christian, you want to start there? Yeah, and and we see this transition here as, as we continue to read from this point of enduring these trials to how sometimes we even react to the trials. That's right. And he really focuses on the sins that we can commit through the words that mm-hmm. we speak. Yeah. And so the last part we read was that we need to be slow mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. We need to be quick to listen. And when we do that, we'll be slow to anger. Yeah. And that's where we left off at. And now we're going to pick up in verse 21 and read all the way to verse 27, where James writes, Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And what we find as James is writing here is first and foremost the understanding that mankind is just naturally vile. And we're not supposed to look like the rest of the world. We're not supposed to mimic society as people that have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. So mankind's naturally vile. Outside of Christ, we're filthy. And this evil is prevalent in our lives. And to put our faith in Christ is to give up our sinful nature and have the word of truth implanted in us. It is the word of truth that we see James writes here is that saves our soul. But we have a lot of things that as we look at this, and and we're not going to view every little aspect of this, but we're going to actually just focus on two points today. And the first point is to be a doer of the word and not a hearer. And in that point is when we are a doer of the word, the word is in complete contradiction with the world. Which means if we're doing the word, we're not going to look anything like the world. We're not going to be stained by the world. When the world looks at us, they're going to say that is someone that is completely different than us. They look at things differently. They react differently. They're not angry and stomping their feet. They're not starting protests, things like that. They're completely different. They don't talk like us. They don't do the things that we do. They don't react like us. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, 8, But now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. These are all things that you would find as a part of the world. And if you're a doer of the word, these are things that you would put aside. These were things that people 
might use in their casual conversation. This might be things that people like to talk about. They like to slander people and gossip about people, or maybe they like to get angry. They like to use filthy language, and that can go anything, mean anything from swear words to demeaning someone's character. Overall, these are things that the world does. This is how the world reacts to situations. This is how the world creates situations. But we're called not to be like the world. We're called to follow in the word of God and be like Jesus, who is the word. In the beginning, it says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And ultimately, Jesus is the word of God. Everything that he says, every sentence that he utters, everything that he does is considered the word of God, is considered scripture to us. But we also see in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, where Peter says, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted the Lord is good. And so this inward change is where everything starts. It will manifest itself outwardly. Someone who has this implanted word cannot just be a hearer of that word. If they have this implanted word, what happens is they must be a doer of the word. And I do not say you must be a doer of the word in the sense that you are under some sort of legal obligation, but that there should be a desire to serve and bring glory to the living God in your life. And so it's very important as we look at this scripture to understand this point that James is trying to get through to us is that we're supposed to be doers of the word, not hearers. So often are we able to go and sit down on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening or Sunday evening and hear the word of God being read, hear someone preaching the word of God, and we hear it, but then we go out and we do the complete opposite of what that word has called us to do, how that word has called us to live. And it baffles me, not just because other people do it, but it baffles me because I even do it sometimes. And What we find is that when we hear the word of God, we see who we are called to be. It's like looking in the mirror. We see that God has created us in his image to have union and fellowship with him. But then we walk out and sometimes it seems like we were looking in that mirror. We see who we're called to be and then we turn away and we forget the image that we just saw. And our job as the church is to hear the word and apply it to our lives and become doers of that word. But just having a knowledge of scripture isn't going to do anything for you. It's living that scripture out in your life that means everything, that shows the condition of your heart. Jesus oftentimes tells us too, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we move on into the second chapter of James, is that you will know them by their fruit. Someone can quote scripture all day, but if there's no scripture being lived out in their life, do they have any fruit? Are they bearing anything worthwhile, anything that will will bring health 
and life to a situation, or are they just quoting things while you look at them and realize that they're also a dead tree as well? A dead tree will never bring another dead tree back to life. There must be life there. There must be something going on and pretty much what's going on. I think we see this in the church in the United States is that we have a lot of people that hear the word. We even have a lot of people that can quote the word. Yeah. But unfortunately, what we see is that we don't have as many that are willing to be doers of the word. And that would be a personal question that I would ask you to consider today is when you hear the word, does it lead you to action or do you hear the word and then go about your day and live as if that word meant nothing to you? Brother Rob, what do you got? Absolutely. So Jesus um, talked about this uh, and it was part of a, the sermon on the Mount, right? And, um, He's asking a question, so this is Luke chapter 6 or Matthew chapter 7, whichever one you want to uh, to read it from. But uh, he, he's talking uh, in, a, in a sermon, one of the only sermons we get. And that's one of the things that uh, baffles me uh, about Jesus is that we get all of the events of Jesus's life. Uh, but we get very few sermons of of Jesus, and so this um, these words of Jesus mean a lot because we don't get many of them. And, and this is one thing that he says: He says, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say?" And this is uh, Luke chapter six, verses forty six, uh, and uh, going through forty nine. But he says, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say?" We often um, we as you so perfectly said we we know god's word a lot of times and and it makes a difference on the inside of us sometimes but how why why does that not translate to our everyday lives why why can people not see that it it doesn't make sense if we truly believe jesus is who he says he is and he's done what he says he's done for us then then we ought to be all about our father's business because this is the best thing uh as as they say, since sliced bread, or even before sliced bread, right? Jesus is Lord, and He has died to save us. We couldn't do it, um, and so this is what Jesus continues to say after He says, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say?" He says, "I will uh, show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on on them. He's like a man who builds a house." who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood came and the river crashed against the house uh, and couldn't shake it because it was well built. And so what Jesus is saying is, look, is if you listen to me, if you listen to my words, you'll do the things that I tell you to do. Um, in, in the Great Commission, we see that we're supposed to baptize, that we're supposed to um, to go into all nations, but we're also also supposed to teach people to do everything that he's commanded us to do. Uh, and so if we if we do those things, we're like a man who builds a house with a solid foundation. When, a, when the storm comes, the house isn't moving. It's not shaking. It's not rocking. But what happens if, if we do hear, uh, but we don't do? This is what Jesus said. But the one who hears and, and does not act is like a man who builds a house on ground without a foundation. The river crashes against it, and immediately it collapses, and the destruction of the house was great. And so what, what Jesus is saying 
goes even even deeper here um, because what what he's getting at is if we hear it and it doesn't take a hold of us, then we're not really saved. Um, right. Jesus even says that that the the demons believe. It's not enough to believe. We have to to make a decision to make Jesus Lord of our life. He is Lord whether we want him to be or not. But he saves us when we call upon him as our Lord, when we when we repent, when we turn from our sin, when we trust in him. And when we do that, if we truly get a hold of it, then it's going to change everything about us. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect because none of us are ever going to be perfect this side of heaven, this side of, of, of seeing Jesus face to face. We're going to struggle with sin. But when we have a relationship with Jesus, it is going to make a difference. And that's exactly what James is saying. He's saying, look, if you have the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of you, if you've truly been saved, you are going to to have actions. You're going to be doers of the word. And if you're not a doer of the word, if, if you don't see the fruit of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life, you need to look at that mirror because the likelihood is that you're not saved. Uh, and and we don't, we're, we're not judging you when we say that because we love you and we are, are deeply concerned about you as one of our listeners. If you do not see the fruit of the gospel, that is the mirror that you look into to, to know that you're saved. Mm-hmm. The, the, and that the, others too. Yeah, in, in others as, as well. The the proof that we're saved is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit isn't inside of us, if he's not working, then we haven't been sealed with the with the Spirit of God. We haven't been saved. And so we, we must look and we must understand mm-hmm. that the, the first uh the, the first thing as a believer is to be doers of the word. And that once again, that's not perfectly and as you said, it's not out of obligation. It's just going to come naturally. It, it it shouldn't be forced because if it is forced, there's something there's something wrong on the inside that that we have to get right. Um, we want to 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 follow Jesus because he is our our good and and loving Savior. And when we when we know that, we naturally want to do good, and the Holy Spirit will be working together good things uh, in that same. Uh, in that same passage that I read from Jesus, right before he said that, he says this, and, and you touched on this, Brother Christian, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad pr- tree doesn't produce good fruit. Uh, if you are a, a tree, and this is beautiful imagery from uh, the book of Isaiah, where, where uh, Jesus or where Isaiah is talking about people planted in the vineyard of God or in the in the house of God, trees that are are blooming and, and fruitful. If you are a tree planted in the vineyard of God, if you are a tree planted in the house of God, you will have good fruit. If you don't see good fruit, likely the the likely scenario is you're not a good tree. That's okay because the the understanding that you need salvation is the first step. Um, you can't be saved if you don't know that you need to be saved. Um, I, I yeah. love the 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 old um, analogy of the man that was uh, there was a flood coming and he was in his house and um, he he prayed that God would would save him and so um, there comes a guy on on a boat at at the um, uh, to the house as the uh, floodwaters rise. And he, they say, get on the boat. And he said, no, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. 
And so the, the boat leaves and goes and, and tries to save other people that are willing to be saved. And then um, later on, um, a, a helicopter comes by and, and he, he, you know, sends a ladder down. But the guy's like, no, God's going to save me. And eventually the guy drowns um, in the flood because uh, he, he doesn't accept any of the salvation that, that God has provided. He gets up um, to, to talk to Jesus and he's like, why didn't you, uh, why didn't you send you know, why didn't you save me? And, and, uh, and the story goes, and of course, this is just analogy, but, um, I, I sent a boat to save you and you wouldn't get on it. I, I sent an airplane, uh, a helicopter with a ladder, but you, you wouldn't climb up. Um, if we don't know that we need to be saved, we, we can't be saved. Uh, and, and so, uh, the, the benefit of this and, and what, what James is saying is that, look, if you're not do, uh, a doer of the word, then your faith is dead. If your faith is dead, you're not saved. Mm-hmm. You need to be saved. And, and so that's, um, and, and that leads us into the, the idea of this pure religion. Uh, and so after James talks about being doers of the word, he talks about um, taming your tongue, controlling your tongue, which, um, which is, is very difficult. Because uh, there's so many ways that the, the 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 tongue can be deceptive, that the mm-hmm. the, the tongue can uh, cause us problems from um, from foul language, just just being uh, a vulgar vulgar person through the language that we use to uh, to talking uh, bad about people, from putting people down, from speaking death uh, and, and destruction and 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 hateful speech into people's life to um, to lying, to, uh, to, to being deceptive, the, the tongue can, can get us into trouble. But then, uh, James goes on to, to talk about pure and undefiled religion. And and we want to park there for just a minute. And so this is what he said, going back over verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God, the father is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep one, oneself unstained, from the world, and so what does it mean um, to be to have pure religion? So, first thing we need to understand what religion is. And one of my favorite things about Jesus is um, how, when Jesus saves us, it's not because of a religion; it's because of a, a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We we come to know Him as our personal Lord and Savior. He is the Savior of the world, but when we're saved, he becomes our personal Lord and, and Savior. And so this is a personal relationship. Religion is the attempt to try to appease God. In, in Judaism, so the precursor to Christianity, you would try to keep the law and you would uh, give sacrifices um, and uh, you would uh, atone for your sin by by killing animals and, and killing them on the, uh, the altars um, in um, in different religions, uh, in uh, for example, for Islam, you have to 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 do certain things. You have to believe certain things. You have to walk a certain way. You have to keep from doing certain things in order to please God, and eventually hope that you were good enough that you that you perform these rituals good enough uh, to be saved in the end, to to be accepted by Allah in the end. In uh, Buddhism, which is is not really a, a religion because they're more atheistic, but uh, there are certain paths you have to walk and certain things you have to give up in order to receive enlightenment. 
But the beauty of Jesus is that the God on top of the mountain came down to the bottom of the mountain to help us back to the top. And so in all other religions, we're trying to get to the top of the mountain. With Jesus, he came down from the mountain of God. He came down to be a man, to die for us. And all we have to do is trust in his forgiveness and, and follow after him, and he will save us. And But that leads us, after we're saved, we are called to re- religion in, in the sense of we're called to look after the needy. God um, had, um, th- there were two rules that, that God has had from the beginning. Uh, it's to, to be fruitful and multiply. In, in Genesis chapter uh, 1, we see God makes man in his own image. In his own image, he makes them male and female. And then he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. To be fruitful um, is to, to have offspring. Uh, and to fill the earth with the the likeness and the image of God. Um, and so that's serving God and, and worshiping God and, and, and loving God because of his image, because of who he is and what he's done for us. But it's also loving other people as we populate the earth. When Jesus comes and they ask him, they say, what is the, the greatest commandment? And he said, it's to love God and to love others. It's it's the same idea as the, the first command God gave Adam and Eve. It's to love God and to love others. If you want to be religious, if you want to perform the way that God has, has called us to, and we're going to talk about that. Brother Christian's going to talk about how um, that our lives are to be the sacrifice. We don't give animal sacrifices anymore because Jesus died once for all. But now we do give sacrifices. It's our life that's the sacrifice, right? Uh, I love uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 21. This is my, my favorite scripture. It's for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And so what does that mean? That, that religion is for me to live, is for Christ to live. It's for him to live through me. And in a, a similar way, uh, you have... Um, Galatians uh, chapter 2, and, and, and that's all about how when we live, it's Christ who's living through us. It, it's to, to give our bodies as a sacrifice for his service. And so what is pure and undefiled religion? It's loving God and, and loving each other. Let's read the verse again. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows. First of all, who are the the orphans and the widows? Whose image are they made in? They're made in God's image, and God loves them uh, desperately. We have to think about this time as well. Um, The orphans, obviously, even today, don't have means to provide for themselves. But in uh, James's day and time, the widows couldn't just go out and find a job. The women uh, had a different role in that society, and so they couldn't go out and just get a job if they needed food on their table. And so what the church's job was um, for for p- providing this pure religion was to take care of those who could not take care of themselves. And in so doing, Jesus said, the, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And so when you feed the widow or you feed the orphan, you're feeding Jesus. And so what is pure and undefiled religion? The easiest thing that I can say is to love God and to love each other. 
to, to love God's people and to provide. And when we do that, we are being doers of the word. And, and that's the beautiful part of, of this is that to be doers of the word, we need to, to be practice we need to be practicing this pure and undefiled uh, religion. And, and Brother Christian, I think you have a, a few scriptures to go along with that. Yeah. And I believe as we look here at what James is writing is that we do say quite often we're not religious and we have a relationship. And that's not in contradiction to no, what James is saying at all. And I think Brother Rob explained this pretty well as also. But what we see here is that religion really focused on hearing and, and kind of being around in, in the synagogue and reading the word out loud, but then leaving the synagogue and not living out the word of God. And so we see that a hearer hears the word of truth, but when trial hits, when service is to be done for the living God, they forget everything that they heard and they focus on their own selfish ambitions and evil desires rather than focusing on the will of God. In this sense, religion is useless because all it is is talk and no action. But a doer looks at the law of freedom. They see this great debt at which Christ has freed us from, and they let their faith become action. So pure and undefiled religion leads to action, not just standing around and talking. Don't just sit there and talk about the poor and needy. Do something about it. Be the hands and feet of Christ and okay. put your faith to work. Don't complain about how the world is filthy and going to hell in a handbasket. Hand Just keep yourself separate from the world. Focus on your faith and go out and make disciples of all nations. Uh, and as Brother Rob pointed out earlier, part of that command a part of that great commission to go out into all nations to make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit command them also to do all the things that i have told them to do That's right. listen to me do what i'm saying read these words and let these words lead you to action and i have this verse that i really love to read when it comes to doing this. And I think this sums up this pure undefiled religion in the words of Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse one through two. And it kind of summarizes this whole passage. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That's right. So if you want to find this pure religion, you don't find it by showing up on a Sunday or a Wednesday or even a small gathering. Those things are good. Be at those things. Go to those things. But you find this pure, undefiled religion when you show up, you hear the word, and you leave, and you do the word. 
Right. Stop complaining about how the pastors and the youth pastors or whatever lay leaders you have in your church aren't doing enough because they're not supposed to be the ones picking up all of the work. That's right. That's why our churches are in the shape that they're in, because so many people expect a pastor, youth pastor or whatever lay leader that you have in your church to be the ones going out and doing all of the outreach. No, their simple job is this. If you have a pastor, his job is to preach the word so that your job can be done when you leave there, that you are encouraged to go out into the mission field and make disciples of all nations gather around you, commanding them to do all things that Christ has commanded us to do. And then they become a part of the church. The church doesn't grow because a pastor preaches a good sermon. The church grows because the Christians, for lack of a better way to say this, get off of their butts, get out of the church, and live the word of God, okay. and then come back as they've made more disciples by going out and preaching and living the word of God in the lost and dying world around them. And here's the thing. When people see that we're separate from the world, there's going to be one of two things that happen. One thing that might happen is someone will see that you are different. Someone will see that you have joy. Someone will see that you have peace and that you're definitely not a part of this world. And they will completely run in the opposite direction. That is not your fault. That is not God's fault. That is their choice that they are making. You, you can chase them if you want. You can try and preach to them. But if they continue to run, you've done all that you can do in preaching and living the word of God. But another thing that they might do, the second thing they might do, is they might see that there is something different about you. And they might realize that that's, uh, that something that's different about you is something that they want in their life. And they might come up to you and say, tell me more about why you smile when the world is burning around you. Tell me more about why you reach out to the lowest of the low, why you reach out to the widows, why you reach out to the orphans and put your desires, your life to the side to take care of them. Tell me more about why you do that. And that, my friends, is what pure undefiled religion is, is when you take that relationship you have with Jesus you take that word that you read and you go out into the world and you live it. If you are not living the word of God, then you've probably never trusted the word of God. And, you know, one thing I'll, I'll add to that is uh, it, it's almost as, as if James is saying um, there are many people who try to talk their way to heaven. Uh, but instead of talking your way to heaven, I want you to walk your way to heaven. And and that's a, a beautiful uh continuation of, of Jesus's analogy of the of the narrow way, uh the narrow road, right? Uh broad is the gate and 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 the road that lead to destruction, but narrow's the the gate that leads to eternal life. Um and, and James is saying, look, um the the narrow road you don't get to by by talking. You get to by walking. Um and uh, and so I, I think that that is a uh, the, a perfect um, explanation of what uh, what James is, is saying here is he's he's saying look um, you're not going to get there by 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 talking about it we've got to be about it we've got to we've got to do it yeah, we've yeah. got to walk it. Yeah.
Well, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us once more for this podcast with Faith 168, hosted by Christian and Rob. But if there's one thing you can take away from this is that this has nothing to do with me or Brother Rob, but it has all to do with Jesus and living for him, living faithfully 168 hours a week. So we thank you, we love you, and we pray that God blesses you richly this week. And we're going to end in a word of prayer. So Brother Rob, do you mind ending us in a word of prayer today? Absolutely. Father, we thank you so much for this day and for all your many blessings. God, we thank you for each and every one of our listeners. God, we just pray that you would richly bless them today um, and, and, and this week. God, we pray that you would lead them and guide them in, in every hour of the week to, to be faithful followers of you, not just in, in word alone, God, but in everything that they do. God, help them uh, as well as us to, to live as sacrifice. Um, that let our lives be a sacrifice to you, God. Let us um, let us seek out that pure um, religion. Help us to to look for those opportunities to help those around us to uh, to be your hands and feet, God. To be doers of your word, God. Help us to walk down that narrow path, um, God. We know that our salvation is secure in you alone. That it's not our actions that save us, but God, when you save us, you call us to action. So help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be the salt and the light. Help us to to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. God, we pray once again a blessing over each one of our listeners. And until next time, we pray that you would bless and keep us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations. And we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith 168 Podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.